Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you can Lock just beat the nail, the fire is hot, the water is a boiling. It's time to put something in this pot. Come on in. Welcome. Greetings, beloved. To love you. To love you. To love
for, for us who, you know, this is summer weather for us. We we deal with the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the tropical storms, you know, the flooding, you know, as a part of culture. It's a part of our culture. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate the concern. It doesn't mean that we don't need the support. It doesn't mean that we don't need you all to look out for us every now and again. You know, and we certainly do appreciate it. But these storms come and go, they roll through. It's, it's part of what we do as, as, a, as a Gulf Coast <laughs> culture. So uh, if I lose power, forgive me. If the electricity gets a little wonky, forgive me. Uh, in some ways, I live in a third world country. Um, we, we've been accused of being the northernmost Caribbean city in America. We've been accused of being the most African city in America, things of which I am very proud of, by the way. But sometimes our services can get just a little wonky, just a little bit, and particularly um, when we have thunderstorms, electricity, wind, rain, moving through the neighborhood. Um, I had to rescue my jalapeno plant, but I think it's okay now. But I had to rescue it. It was a bit waterlogged, and I had to transfer it to a much more porous um, containment. So I appreciate you all. I indeed am grateful for you all's participation, love, support in this show. This is an open classroom. This is an open spiritual sanctuary, sacred space that we all voluntarily agree to create and recreate and assist in our own way in building and rebuilding in the virtual space most days, but typically every other weekday at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. On blog, talk radio, B-L-O-G, blog, talkradio.com, forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. You can call me at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. Please be patient with me. I have to monitor more than one tab. I can't always see both tabs at the same time. I'm going to figure out a way to do that, but I can't often see both tabs at the same time. So just be a little patient with me. Um, of course, whoever might be speaking in the moment, allow them to reach their period. And then I'll come and un- unmute your mic in Block Talk Radio. Um, I'm always grateful for your live on-screen participation here, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Periscope, EarthCam, wherever we might be viewed using the StreamYard link. Greetings, Big Chief. Big Chief, greetings, beloved. Yes, from the neighborhood and directly around the corner. (laughs) And uh, Dark Sojua is also a local friend and neighbor who enjoys the show. Greetings, Chef Bougie. Welcome, beloved, to you and yours and your family. I'm grateful for you and your active participation and support. Love unconventionally. Love your name, beloved, and thank you so much for sharing your energy with us today. I say all to you and yours. Of course, my beloved cousin, Otan Ifatomiwa. Welcome, beloved. My cousin, Oloye Ifawole. I'm going to bring them on screen with me now. Of course, acknowledge my cousin, um, Lakeithia, who's also in the live chat. And welcome, J.P. Tarot. Welcome, beloved. Thank you so much for your continued support and love and, and active participation in the show. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. And welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, today was um, a day, a quiet day for me. Sometimes I wake up and <clears throat> I just want to be quiet. I think sometimes we need to be quiet. Uh, sometimes we need to be able to sit with ourselves and sit with reality on, on reality's terms, sit with spirit and hear. I think about the elders and some of the old folk of old who, you know, we viewed as just sitting out on the rock or sitting out on the stoop. You know, they could keep an eye on the, on the children from one end of the street to the other, you know, but at the same time, they were listening and they were perceiving, you know, voices from, from spirit, from nature, you know, and, and, and indeed from the ancestors. So I'm grateful for weather, literally and figuratively. Um, but I'm also grateful for change. And we ended our last broadcast talking about going into uh, Juneteenth. And I promised that I would give a little bit of space for us to have some kind of discussion about that today, if you all will, about Juneteenth now being made a federal holiday and what you all's feelings and opinions. Uh, greetings from Kenya and Uganda. Thank you so much, beloved, for your presence. Ashley, Mama, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I think it's important to discuss it. If, if not just a little bit, you know, we can always go right back into our discussion, our continued discussion about shadow work and addressing shadow work. But I think Juneteenth and the sort of uh, turning it into a holiday um, invokes shadow work. And many of my clients, my godchildren for sure, and my initiates have heard me say it a million times. There's no way to do ancestral work and not invoke some shadow work. And sometimes it's not yours. Sometimes it's generations removed from you. But that is somehow energetically dislodged when we are doing, actively doing and participating and committed to our ancestors and, and doing ancestral work. So for me, and for many holidays, not just Juneteenth, uh, you know, July 4th has a very similar feeling for me. You know, Thanksgiving has a very similar feeling for me. Many of the, you know, mainstream Western holidays um, feel very foreign and uh, dual reality, like I'm in a dual reality because, you know, you see people celebrating one thing and a certain set of images and songs and hymns to go along with it and, and, and choruses. But we often in our community, um, if we acknowledge these days at all, like a Juneteenth, we're often acknowledging something else, and typically something else much more specific. Many of you know for me, it's typically uh, Juan St. Myron, the great maroon leader here in, in New Orleans, who was able to uh, maintain his job, escape the city, and, and run out into the swamp. At that time, the swamps would have been New Orleans East, and build a maroon camp of other runaway and escaped enslaved uh, ancestors. And then would go back in town and, and, and would work his job or, or would get resources or would be lent out, you know, by his employer. So sometimes his whereabouts would be unsure and unclear. But we now know by documentation that he was one of the main Maroon leaders, St. 
St. Wilo, St. Milo, St. Maroon here in, in New Orleans. And indeed, there were some 200 Maroon camps here in New Orleans. Often we talk about Maroon, Maroonage, we, we don't think about ourselves, meaning those of us here in Africa, in, in America, African Americans. We often think about Brazil when we think about Maroon. We often think about Nanny and Maroon. We often think about Jamaica when we talk about Maroons. We don't talk about Gullah Geechee enough. We don't talk about low country enough. We don't talk about the many isolated communities of our ancestors that managed to escape and sometimes live a dual existence, a dual reality, and, and put themselves, you know, at risk. We see um, Mama Moses, uh, Harriet Tubman, is a bit of an aberration. You know, oh, she did a great thing. Yes, indeed, she did a great thing. You know, with all of her physical disability, she did a very powerful thing. But she also did something that was common, that was in our, in our culture. You know, people who routinely escaped, people who refused to bow down, people who ran away and ran away again. You know, you've heard me talk about Bois Coupe, who had his arm cut off. Uh, for running away. Maybe that's where Alex Haley got the idea to cut off uh, Kunta Kinte's foot. And, you know, so we've always had rebels and revolutionaries and, yeah. and, and liberators within our community who seek to bring freedom, to bring independence, to bring liberation uh, to us first individually because you've got to have some sense of, of personal you know, freedom, personal liberty, and, and then, of course, at the more communal level. So for many of us, I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, um, these holidays are very problematic. And now making Juneteenth a federal holiday almost right away, and, and I wish I could tell you where, uh, when I do see it again, I'm going to do my best to document, record it, maybe it's on video somewhere, I'm going to have to look. Um, but I'm already seeing the the black quote unquote theme advertising, theme commercials, you know, the, the monetization now of, of this holiday. I heard a discussion on a morning show. I was half asleep, uh, which is why I don't quite recall the details right now, but they were discussing the most appropriate menu, like you would for the fourth, the most appropriate menu for them to have for Juneteenth. And there was nobody black on the set. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's the most appropriate food? And, and yes, they talked about cornbread and greens and barbecue and what, what, yes, they did in 2021. Yes, they did have that discussion. But, you know, do we, and I'm asking a question to this community, do we water down? Do we dilute? Do we dilute? Do, Salute the purpose, the meaning, the revolution behind many of these great ancestors who stood up, you know, to make these days happen. Oh, we could easily get into the details of Juneteenth and how problematic that is and who was told, who wasn't told, how, how, how was, you know, later ratified, I believe, you know, and, and then put on paper. We could easily have a document, and y'all know I'm good at that, archive, read an archive, share documents, but just at the gut level, 
Does it feel like a celebration to you? It feels more like a commemoration to me, much like I would say my alpha, which is typically commemorated here in New Orleans on the first Saturday in July. I still haven't heard any word if that's going to happen this year or not, but, but it's typically commemorated here on the first Saturday in, in July. Commemoration. Commemoration. And it's real easy for us to say, well, July 4th, there's nothing for us to celebrate. So what do we do? We commemorate. We have family reunions. We, we go and do our thing in, in our way, in our language, within our, the dynamics of our community. But in my opinion, and if I'm wrong, somebody let me know, um, what, Dr. King? I mean, what other holiday has been federalized that's really all about our struggle as enslaved Africans? And to what degree now does this open us up to a whole nother level of appropriation, black exploitation, you know, at its finest? Um, greetings, I know... I said a lot <laughs> on a day that I said that I was in quiet mode. But but when I'm in quiet mode, I'm usually thinking, and this is part of what, you know, is sort of flooding my head right now, Oliet. She said to everyone, blessings to everyone, to my cousin, blessings to all of you listening, blessings. As we know, today is a day of our June, so I think that today is a perfect day to be discussing Juneteenth uh, as we uh, honor Ogu. So I present this prayer to to you all. Ogu is a powerful one, sufficiently great to stand before death. One who finds human beings prosperous. One who is not enriched by Ogu will find it difficult to get sacrificial colonists. Ogu enrich me. Ogu the powerful one. The great one of the earth. The strong one of the other world. The great one of the other world, the protector of those who are being injured. Ogu supports you. We ask, we, we speak about Ogu as the one who, what, is the one who never lost, loses in battle. The one who is an ultimate warrior. The one who cuts away any and all obstacles in our path. We say the mystery of the spirit of the iron. The female spirit of iron is linked to heaven. The water of the heavens surrounds us. It is our abundance. Wisdom of the warrior spirit. Come guide my spiritual journey with a strong hand. I share. So as we look at Juneteenth, you know, Juneteenth is interesting to me. I, I really don't feel it as a, a big holiday for me, per se. Uh, I do look at it as a commemoration, but I also look at as a regional, um, a regional um, commemoration, because there were so many others who were still going through uh, enslavement in other areas of the country. So uh, even though uh, the slave, <clears throat> the slavery was supposed to have ended a couple of years prior to this, there were still things going on in other areas. Even the laws that were developed thereafter, you know, when we speak about Ogu in Africa, Ogu, we, we don't put our hand on Bible or Quran. We put our hand on the swords of Ogu. Yeah. So when we speak about Ogu, we speak about justice. And so is it then that we are fulfilling justice 
for all of those ancestors who are still dealing with the form of enslavement in other areas of the country? Are we still dealing with justice when even after slavery was ended, the laws that were developed were that to put us back into a form of slavery? When we look at the justice, criminal justice system, is it a form of enslavement to our people? Those brothers and sisters who are also being being killed unarmed all over the place. It's still a form, in essence, of what we're going through right after slavery and those laws that were developed. There's still those laws that are in place today. So when I look at Juneteenth, I commemorate all of those ancestors that were allowed to be free, their human rights to be free. But I also continue to mourn all of those others that were still in a relative form of enslavement in other areas of our country, that were still going through the laws that pretty much enslaved them, imprisoned them. There's so much to, to look at when I look at all of this together for our people. I honor all of those people who are left free. I honor all of them because they deserved it. It was, it was supposed to be done years ahead of time. But I also continue to think about all of the others who are still, who are still under the, the, the reign of, of terror. Of, of the, the slave masters and, and even those who, you know, even those who they decided to work for after slavery, you got to remember that people sometimes did not know where to go. They had no money. They didn't have anything. So therefore, some of them stayed on these plantations to work for these European slave masters. And... and Many of our families are still in those those areas where they were originally enslaved. So Juneteenth, I find as regional, and I have no problem with with honoring, celebrating those ancestors. They absolutely deserve it. But we just have to look at a bigger picture sometimes as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm come on in, Otan. Welcome, beloved. How you doing? I'm blessed. Thank you for asking. Aboshi uh, Shade, Cousin Devon, Cousin Brother Louie, family listening in and watching. I'm grateful to be here. Acknowledgement, blessings, and respect to my Louis and Sabah, and the Bayou Lutona, and Omari, it's a family, Yalabu, and Babyfoot, and Lutona, and Lutona. I agree wholeheartedly with everything that was said, especially uh, you and Brother Louie. I agree that it is regional. I have no issues with the celebration or acknowledgement of it because it is to be acknowledged. It is an important time in our history. So I will absolutely say it. And, and those who want to celebrate, I, I have no problems with any of that. But again, to piggyback off of what Baba Olori said, there were still so many of our ancestors that were still enslaved. Um, in other states, I mean, to the tunes of a couple of hundred thousand, that's, that's not a small amount of people. 
and, and a lot of them didn't get a chance to taste any form of freedom until the latter part of the year, almost the end, in December. So I have no problem with it. Um, I also will say that while, yes, okay, making it a federal holiday, I can see the importance of it because there were some of us that have been fighting for, for that for a long, long time, and I will not discredit or take away from their faith, their work, and what they put in to make sure that things, that, you know, the debate is acknowledged in, in, in the book. I will also just like to uh, encourage us to consider um, time frames and to understand that sometimes the, the battles that we think are won are really just the bones being thrown. We cannot allow ourselves
now we can have the conversation perhaps at another level um, and share uh, a, a deeper statement of truth, you know, about reparations, about the, the present state of being black while driving, being black in America. I, I remember when it went from being black while driving to being black while shopping to now it's just being black in America, you know, and, and that risk of industrialized uh, policing, you know, taking our lives. So um, I had a lot of feelings, a lot of triggers. And, and as I said before, I, I kind of feel the same way, you know, about the fourth and the way we sort of have built a relationship with that date. So my concern now is how do we further build a relationship with June 19th? What does that really mean to us? Is it going to be an opportunity to barbecue and party and, and have the family reunion? Or are we indeed going to become, as Otan just suggested, without saying it directly, better activists and become better involved in our communities? I think um, we have an obligation as Babalaos, Mambos, Hogans, Ianifas, healers, practitioners, to be involved at the grassroots level of our community. And that will often involve politics. And some of us fear politics. We see that as a dirty, you know, ground to, to have to battle on, to play on. And to some degree, it absolutely is. But we have always been involved politically, you know, from our arrival, you know, on, on this continent. And sought to disrupt the system to the best of our ability for our advantage. So, you know, this this scrimmage, as I look at Juneteenth, um, it's, it's a little problemsome for me. Um, again, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, Mom, greetings. I didn't even see you there. I was so busy running my mouth. Thank you for, um, for joining us. Yeah, I'm not sure where I was in the chat, but forgive me, y'all. Yeah, but this is just problemsome for me um, because, again, it's the first holiday that really acknowledges Edo, that, that really acknowledges the descendants of enslaved Africans. So what now do we do with that? What now does the federal government do with that? And does this now make it easier, or, or does this add one more you know, stone to our pathway to reparations. I certainly hope that it gives us an opportunity to increase the conversation, and not just about reparations, but about slavery and PTSD and, and the shadow work associated with that um, in general. We're still dealing with colorism. One of the very first stories I remember my mother telling me as a child about her own personal experience was about colorism. You know, and, and the attitude of the community, our community, about the word black and being black from, from the perspective of the 1940s going into the 1950s, only for the 60s going into the 70s to say black is beautiful, black power, and, and then for us to sort of elevate that word, you know, as a form of representation uh, for us, uh, again, as a group. And it doesn't speak necessarily to ethnicity or where exactly you were born. You know, when we say black, you know, 
you could be black from Ethiopia, you could be black from South Africa, you could be black, you know, from the U.S. But when we speak of ADOs, the descendants of enslaved Africans, now we're being really, really specific about the Middle Passage, about the transatlantic slave trade, about that, that footprint. And so let's just be careful that this doesn't become uh, an opportunity for not just us to quote-unquote celebrate, and, and I'm still not clear on what the celebration is in, you know, uh, because many of our people still enslaved. Some people still share cropping. Where they land is still even present. Uh, one of you mentioned uh, still living on the grounds. My, my father's side of the family still living on the grounds, you know, where they picked cotton, where they did laborers sharecropping type work. So um, it's still with us. It's still among us. It shows up every time there's a police event. It shows up every time there's the latest Karen video. Uh, I heard there's a movie now coming out about Karen. No, seriously, like a real movie. (laughs) A real movie about Karen's. And I think it's about two Karen's that go at each other. But don't quote me on that. Yeah, um, not only can they not afford to pay us truly for what's owed, but the value, you know, if we consider land, if we consider generational wealth, um, just the interest on they that. Just, yeah, the interest on that just it continues to increase. Um, so, yeah, that, and that's part of the problem for some people, even in the discussion about reparations. So the idea of, well, what do we do then for the community? What do we do then for mental health? What do we do then for health and wellness in in general? You know, what what do we do now to funnel that money into education, perhaps, uh, within our our communities? Look at what they've done for the Native Americans. When I look out here in Oklahoma, and I only speak about Oklahoma, Native American community here has beautiful options. If you find that you have enough bloodline from one of the tribes, you then pretty much have free health care, you have free education, free college, all of those areas. Well, at the very least, at the very least, if you can't, if you're not going to pay reparations, then allow our people to go and have free health care. Let our people have free education. Let them go to college for free. Let some things happen that will allow for the community to, I don't know, to, to have a betterment of what others who have benefited from our, our labor. Let, let them pay. <coughs> let, let our people go and do the things that they need. The land that was stolen. All of these things inclusive is more than enough to at least, at the very least, at a minimum, just a minimum, I'm not saying all, but a minimum, to have the same type of, 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 of benefits that I see our, our Native American brothers and sisters in this country, at least here in, in Oklahoma, that I see them have here. So, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 
I, I completely agree. I was not trying to cut you off because uh, I apologize. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I want to add exactly, exactly that, what you said. Um, free health care. I want to say um, take away us needing to pay income tax or taxes of any kind for, I don't know, a couple of hundred years. Let us be tax exempt, everybody, and on everything. Free college. Free healthcare, free land, all of that, mm-hmm. because it, it's old. And and to be clear, they, there is no, they don't have the money. They, they have, they don't. They don't have it. I, I don't care. You could combine Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, take all their money. They don't have it. They don't have enough to pay what is owed for everything, and not just for slavery, for everything thereafter. From the fake reconstruction to redlining to Jim Crow to Cedric, they, they don't have the funds to pay for the blood, the sweat, the buck breaking, the raping. They don't have it. The wet nursing, they don't have it. So you give what we want. No income tax. Land. Yeah, throw some money in there too. But Happens. And they're going to keep tossing tidbits and dodging around the issue because we ask for, for police accountability. We ask for better things in our community. Mm-hmm. We've got to be clear. Be clear. There is no mistake in this. This is planned. It is deliberate because anything to draw our attention away, this is why. We must focus. This is why we have got to pay attention. This is why we have got to stop listening to the news. Go outside. Get some sun. Talk to your people. See what's really going on. Stop trusting that they are feeding you and get moving. Because we can talk. We can march. But what are you doing? Who are you collaborating with? What are you building? What are you creating? Are you writing it down? Are you getting information? See, it's good to talk about. But it's better to be about it. The power that we have, we have no clue. We'll stand outside all night to buy some funky-ass Jordans, but we don't get together to come up with some Listen, listen, all listen. Right. It's so much we can Charlie do. Get up. Get up. Don't just sit here and go, yes, O'Toole, go outside and do something. Who are you connected with in your community? Who are you talking to? Sit at your elders' feet. Shut up. Learn something. We have got to start making moves because if we don't it's going to continue if we don't it's going to be the tip that we're going but we didn't ask for that yet let me tell you something we better start moving because it's going to take more than talking it's going to take more than being angry we got to start making moves and getting this community and if you ain't ready to make moves shut up and sit down and let the people that's ready to step forward to the but y'all better get up you better recognize because we ain't got a whole lot of time and now what's interesting also about Oklahoma, let me say this real quick. If you know the history of Oklahoma, the history of Oklahoma was where they were supposed to send the blacks for the 40 acres until the land, I believe the land run, uh, something like a land run came. And then the Europeans came and they were taking over the land, even from the, from the native people here. Right, uh, uh, Oklahoma was the area where many, many 
Native communities on the Trail of Tears. They, when they came, they came here. Then they came up with this thing about the five civilized tribes, like the other tribes were not civilized. And so now, because they signed the treaty, they were able to get many other of the, of the uh, benefits. So Oklahoma, uh, just to give this out, was the place that in that time that the three blacks were supposed to be able to go to get their own land, to get their 40 acres, to get their mule, to start their independent communities. And so, you know, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there uh, because Oklahoma, you know, it's not known with some of these things, with some of these these opportunities, some of the things that were were made, that Oklahoma was the area uh, that was used for that. And of course, we had Tulsa, of course, that we talked about in terms of the Black Wall Street. But there were Black Wall Streets throughout this country in many of the different states, in many of the different areas. They had their own. We had no choice. Our community had to develop our own economic freedom and our own businesses and such in order for us to be able to to have what we needed, schools and everything else. And so we lost sight on that when segregation came. From my own perspective, segregation was one of the worst things that happened in our community. Not from the standpoint that we should have had the opportunity to buy wherever and whatever, but the bottom line is that segregation, when we had it, forced us to, to do for ourselves. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad used to tell all the time to do for self. Nobody will do for you what you will do for yourself. And then as soon as integration came, we were so adamant on supporting others that we lost sight on the very thing that gave us the economic freedoms. And so now here we are today, somewhat at the mercy of, of somewhat at the mercy of, of others and not doing for ourselves nearly enough. Yeah, I'm old enough. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm old enough and yet young enough to sort of remember, you know, some of those black enclaves. Um, you all have heard me talk about Kirkwood, Missouri, on my mother's side of the family. Um, Meacham Park, you know, neighboring Kirkwood, which was a black enclave, which does not exist at all now. It's a parking lot. It's an industrial lot. You know, the streets no longer exist. Nothing of that footprint exists now. And so that concern for maintaining Treme, maintaining Congo Square, um, is something that I personally could not be silent on and will not be silent on. Um, and the battle continues. You know, don't get too caught up in what you see and hear in the news. Um, I need to see something in writing. I need to see some plan other than Congo Square and Armstrong Park and Treme being targeted. This is bigger than just Congo Square. This is bigger than just Armstrong Park. This is about this community that is Treme and, and the historic Treme, the first black, the first free black community, suburb, neighborhood in America. 
and, and maintaining what's left of that footprint. Uh, the other dynamic is, indeed, the tearing down of the I-10 bridge, you know, that was originally thrown up and disrupted uh, hundreds of uh, old trees and, and, and a community of well-established businesses, much like Tulsa and the communities uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and so that was broke up when they brought the highway through here originally. Originally, that highway was supposed to go underneath the French Quarter. And they said, oh, no, that's not happening. And, and that tunnel is still underground till this day, dead ends right there at Canal Street, you know, in and, and the French Quarter. And the subsequent choice was to bring it through our neighborhood. So now they're talking about tearing that same bridge down and now bringing more gentrification, more traffic directly into our community now that they feel safe, you know, to do so. So it's a, uh, it's a tactic that continues. You know, it, it, it's a form of lynching that continues. It's a form of terrorism that continues till this day. And that's why we must do shadow work, because many of us carry these triggers, sometimes, you know, carry these triggers un, unacknowledged until something happens to you or until you're put in a bad spot. But, but many of us carry these triggers inherently, Inherently in our blood, it's in our it's in our blood memory, the ancestral memory that survives in the DNA. So so we must continue to fight. We must continue to push forward. We must continue to be involved. And, and as I was suggesting, um, I feel we have an obligation as spiritual and religious leaders to be involved at the grassroots level, beyond just you know what we do on this this podcast every day, beyond just what any of us are doing in, in social media every day. And by all means, use your social media to teach, to educate, to share information, you know, to, to better organize our efforts on, on the ground. Uh, greetings, Neophyte Bofor. Are you with us? Welcome, beloved. Yes, sir. I am here. Um, hopefully my technology is not going to fail me today as I travel in this desert that I'm in today, heading my way to Oklahoma, uh, just coincidental. Um, I got a lot to say on this one because I live in California. It's my home um, state, um, and I see a lot of that gentrification um, that takes place, and you can tell that it's part of that, that whole eminent domain kind of uh, uh, narrative that they keep putting out, putting in our faces, they have uh, this authority to move you from one place to another. We see this from L.A. to the Inland Empire. We see this in our freeway systems. I travel these, these freeway systems. I see it all the time. I grew up with it as a child because my dad also was in a transportation um, uh, uh, industry through FEMA. Get a freeway in, in Los Angeles to Inland Empire is the 210. 210 freeway goes um, essentially through Pasadena and go, it takes you all the way into San Bernardino. Question is, in, in, on that route, what towns did they just kind of pave over to build that freeway? That freeway didn't always um, get there. That was my childhood. That freeway didn't go all the way to San Bernardino. 
It does now. Right? And then you see that same pattern if you go back further in time. Um, the 134 takes you, uh, it takes you from that 210 freeway, cuts you over to the 5 freeway. But what town was right there? Blue Rock? Yes. Then you can skip. And beloved, and beloved, make sure this is an international audience. So make sure they understand what you're talking about. There's people in other countries that have, that have no idea, you know, the geographic that we're referencing. Um, and I okay. probably should have even explained Juneteenth because uh, we have some people from the U.K. and other countries who don't quite understand even what um, U.K. is. So please forgive me for interrupting, but I felt like I needed to say that. Uh, yes, sir. That's two things that I should go ahead and, um, and touch on now. Um, geographically, we're looking at Southern California. Um, this would be most popularly known as Hollywood, right? Hollywood, and then go east from there, east from, from Hollywood, and you'll have a, a kind of an idea if you jump on your map and look at it. Now, Juneteenth, again, what kind of position were our ancestors put in once they realized, okay, we got freedom now, right? They were already in a, in a very vulnerable position. And right there in that vulnerable position, they decided that that would be the start of sharecropping. Whereas now you can earn money, sort of, or you can earn money and, and now you're getting paid for your, uh, for your labor, but how much were they paying you? What was the contract like? That, once you actually got that recognized freedom where the, the slave owners decided that they were going to now pay you wages, now you have to pay for your land, your housing, um, your food, your clothing, and they're going to provide it to you at a subsidy. They're going to provide it to you at a cost. Well, who's in charge of, uh, of capping that cost? Oh, the same person that was enslaving you in the first place. Oh, that's convenient. So... Like we were saying, holiday, yeah, but celebrating what? Celebrating the fact that now they can charge you for your backbreaking labor? No, I don't. I don't really. I don't buy that at all. And now, come full circle. Now we have it written into law books of, on a federal level, where it's. I mean, president. Can't sit right. 
knowing that they now acknowledge it, but they're still pacifying you and not doing anything substantial about that gap that they purposely created. Yeah. They did that on purpose, y'all. Yeah. And they continue to do it. That, yeah. Oh, that's what drives me to, ah, to no end. They did it on purpose and they're doing it still. Right? They do nothing to the uh, the insurance companies that are responsible for uh, insuring your home that gets you its value, that helps you with its value and maintaining its value. Do nothing to stop those guys from redlining you, uh, 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 subjecting you to credit checks before uh, you know your home and then you know evaluating your home and then not giving you the proper value that it's worth. Telling you that it's less than what you paid for it, and then as soon as your taxes come around, increase how much it actually is worth. Therefore, you are paying more. That's redlining again. This package That's what they did in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Speaking about that, our former uh, president, the Cheeto uh, Minotaur, went ahead and signed into bill that. They're going to now um, uh, give that allotment of land to those Native Americans. So that contract that was supposed to be built during the Trail of Tears, they finally um, they finally started acknowledging that and started actually divvying out those parcels of land for, for the Native Americans. Now Oklahoma is technically divided in two on a federal level. But nowhere in that contract does it say anything about whether or not you fit the criteria by blood. There's nothing in that contract from the Trail of Tears that says anything about you needing to be qualified through blood. Nowhere. And we know in the relationship to that that, you know, DNA testing is, is relatively new. But that is a, a curious point that that's not paid attention to, that that's not more highlighted in that conversation. Uh, allow me a moment. I'm opening up area code 856, area code 856. I believe it's Chef Bougie. Greetings, beloved. Your hand yes. is in race, but I opened your mic. Come on in. Okay, hi. How are you? How are you? Uh, yeah, I, I do have something to say about this entire issue. Um, I find it to be kind of insulting. Now, I, I respect the ancestors, and I know what they went through, but I find this whole thing to be insulting because if you look at it, it's almost as if the slave owners got two years of severance pay because they had two years of free more labor on the backs of our, of our ancestors for free. And it was an illegal act, and nobody ever brought that up or paid attention to it. And then I've also paid attention to how fast they pushed that bill through how fast mm-hmm. it got signed. But the George George Floyd bill, that's still hanging in the balance. The anti-lynching bill, that's still hanging in the balance. And the mm-hmm. fact that you have to have a vote to see, to have a study to see if reparations, if slavery was harmful, that's a slap in the face. Because I don't remember uh, something like that happening when it was time for the Jews to get money for the Holocaust. Even though we pay for that, we had nothing to do with nothing to do for that at all. We we were not the ones 
Black folks in this country pay taxes, and our tax dollars goes to to Israel for help. Now, we didn't cause that problem to go down, but we are paying for it. There are so many things that black people pay for in this country, and it's like we're paying. What are we paying for? We shouldn't be paying taxes. And you're right. If they wanted to put a price tag on what we owe or what they owe us for 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 slavery, it, <laughs> yeah, I can't even begin to tell you what that looks like. Yeah, it would be pretty. I big. can't even begin. To, and it, it would be. And, and listen, and not just and not just monetary. It's far beyond monetary because you can't put a you can't put a price tag on on abuse and selling somebody's kids and stripping everything from them that they that they knew. You can't put a price tag on that. There's a spiritual payment that has to be made for something like that. And I that, I don't even know where where they even begin to, to to repay that. How they begin to repay that? But well, I can tell you they can start by discontinuing some of the things that they're doing right now because they just changed, they just mm-hmm. changed it around into a different form, redlining and all that stuff, the banking industry, how black folks can, can own a house and, and, and somebody come there to do, uh, to tell them how much the house is worth and they be, and their house be underbidded by like 50, 60, $70,000. But if it's a white person in that same home, they get top dollar for their house. This stuff is still going on today. So it's, the first thing you have to do is if you really want to do an adjustment and make everything equal across the board, then the practices that you're doing right now today, you have to stop. You have to acknowledge that they're there. You have to acknowledge that there's systemic racism, and then you have to stop. And at this point, I don't know if white folks can. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say but, all. I don't know if enough. No, not all. No, yeah, I don't know if enough. enough. Yeah. And I'm tired of seeing black folks. Listen, this holiday went down this weekend, and I saw people barbecuing like it was a party, like it was a celebration, and it's not a celebration. Yeah. 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 It's and not a celebration. Are, they have lost focus. Yeah, and people are free to celebrate. People are free to enjoy your family. You know, I get it especially after the pandemic, I, I absolutely get it. And for many of us, I don't think that this has even settled into our heads fully yet, the idea of what has just taken place, what, what we're now acknowledging at the federal level. And what degree does that legally sort of um, per, perhaps um, we're as racist towards whites as they are, you know, towards us. So at what level does this, you know, appropriate even further, you know, advertising dollars, you know, branding, you know, does the government now own, you know, Juneteenth, you know, and and, and its brand, much much like it does many other holidays that we celebrate and that we um, acknowledge, it it just opens up a whole nother array of problems that, you know, a Dr. King holiday didn't necessarily have to address, you know, that some of our other, you know, Black History Month, you know, still doesn't address directly in your face the fact that we're only having this month because of slavery, you know, and and, and white supremacy. So 
this for me is a problematic holiday on many levels, and we must have discussions. We must um, have debates. We we must address, you know, the shadow work attached to making this now the property of America and all Americans. Much like jazz, you know, those of us who know the history are willing to admit jazz birth in Congo Square, jazz birth in Treme and in New Orleans, Louisiana. But now we say jazz is American, and we have many non-black or non-Louisiana folk representing jazz now as a American phenomenon, as American as hot dogs, as American as apple pie, you know, as, as American as Monday Night Football, you know, so... Let me share a little bit with, with the young gentleman who asked that particular question about us being racist. Truth does not have a form of color. Truth can only be truth manifested by the history that is in front of us. What we speak about has accurate documentation to verify truth. So therefore, truth, if it has no color, can only stand on the truth that it is. So to say that any form of it would be racist would not be accurate. It is based on the accuracy of not his story, but our story. And it's based upon the actuality of what is documented throughout history. I just wanted to share that because the the whole question of being racist when it's based upon fact. Fact has no color. Fact is only on what it is. Excuse me? I know what you're saying. Um, excuse me. Um, hold on. Time out. Time out. Yes, I heard that. Sir, can I, can I stop you real quick? Um, no problem, no problem. You're in the presence of elders, and I'm going to ask, to ask you, can you please put a shirt on? And oh, don't eat while you're talking to the, to the elders, please. Um, I can't. I know. I, I just, I can't, I can't. I'm glad. I'm glad the show has gained such popularity. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once upon a time I could do a broadcast and there was very little to no broadcast. <laughs> Bringing in background noise. Hold on. Yeah, I don't know. You, you might need to use your headset or switch to the headset setting on your um, on your mic. You might be able to do that. It's not me. I muted my mic. It's not me. All right. So how are you guys doing today? And if y'all gonna try and read, at least know how to spell. 
I mean, it's very hard to try and talk smack in the chat. I, I don't mean the gentleman that's on the screen. I'm talking about whoever Lampshade Queen is. Uh, you might want to learn how to spell. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know who these guys are. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, they... Uh, I just want to come in here and I want to talk to you guys. Uh, so recently I took an ancestor DNA test and it, it came back that I'm 6% black. You know what I mean? And... I don't, I'm not, and that's not the main topic of this conversation. Uh, my, my belief is, because I'm also Mexican, you know what I mean? I think that every race is racist towards every race. Is that not wrong to think about? Like, like I was like a Mexican dude. Like, yeah, like, I, I've met a lot of racist ass, like, real Mexicans. But it, it has the same thing to do with, like, with, like, people of color, like, black people and stuff like that. They're, they're racist towards other people, too, right? But it's, I think I just, maybe one day we can just grow and we can just stop seeing all this racist shit. We could all just be one human, humanized. We're all humans, bro. We all believe the same shit. But, but here's the problem with that. We were not all yeah. treated as humans. And then you had a government and a world system that supported the dehumanizing of a particular segment of those humans that you referenced based on color. And attached to that comes greed and property and stolen money and stolen legacy and stolen heritage that, that you acknowledge when it's Jewish, that you acknowledge when it's Asian, that you acknowledge when it's anybody other than black people. We're, we're supposed to just sit down and be quiet and pretend this never happened. And, and that might be easier to do if the racism and the white supremacy just stopped and sat down and, and stopped, you know, and ceased to continue. But yet it I continues. And it's too easy to draw a line from today because, see, we like to say, oh, well, that was hundreds of years ago. That was in the past. You know, and so in our, in our imagination, it's too easy to draw, you know, this historic line back to something that's really still happening today. The, the sharecropping is still happening today. People being robbed no, of their heirs' property is still happening today. So we have to talk about white supremacy. We have to talk about racism. And, 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 and if it makes, you know, you, and this isn't personal, but if it makes you or the next white person uncomfortable, look at yourself and, and your contribution. Don't, don't look it up. Now, let me address the Mexican part. When you start looking at burial grounds, for instance, of enslaved Africans, the largest population of that is in Mexico. A lot of people don't know that. And, and so even today, there's a, a ethnic group of black Mexicans that exist in Mexico that you all deny <laughs> or, or treat just as badly, and, and maybe not you personally, but Mexicans in general treat them just as badly as, as whites treat black Americans north of the border. So this infection of white supremacy, this infection of racism is now global. It's spread with capitalism. It's spread with 
Catholicism. It spread with Christianity. It's continuing to spread via evangelical Christianity. And so the racism hasn't stopped. The white supremacy hasn't stopped. So it doesn't make us racist to discuss it. Especially you know, I hear what you're saying 100%, and I'm always for you to stop talking for me to speak my point, but I hear you 100%. The thing about what you're saying is you're not speaking about the black-on-black crime. You're not speaking about what, what the black people are doing. Like, dude, there's some crazy shit going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is doing the mass shooting? 
and you go around murdering people with a gun everywhere, you want to say you have mental health issues, okay? Our children ain't shooting up schools. Let's be clear. So we're not going to do the finger pointing because I got plenty of fingers, and there's a whole lot, a whole lot. And a hit dog, a hit dog will howl. And I see a whole lot of howling going on between you and your buddies in the panel. So y'all can keep on hollering, but I'm not going to go back and forth with you. So we can talk and look at all of that anger, but we're the ones with the problem. All of that anger, sweetness, sweetness. Your mommy and daddy issues can't get fixed here, boo-boo. Get you a therapist, okay? It's all right. I have no problems with nobody, and we can have this discussion with anyone. Anyone, you're welcome to call in. You're welcome to join in. But what you will not do or what you will never do is disrespect me or anybody on this panel. We are going to have honest and open conversations. My name is Okun Ifa Ojek Benmi. I am not Willy Wonka. I am not here to sugarcoat it or to sweeten up your soft feelings. We are going to have honest discussion with truth. And guess what? Sometimes the truth is sweet. Sometimes the truth don't feel good, but that's what you're going to get here. So now, let us continue with the conversation and discussion at hand because we're not going to give energy to foolishness to bury our shit. Anybody else next? Uh, Paul? Supremacist. He's trying to send white supremacists. He's trying to send them where? To us? Yes. Oh, well, we're, go- we're cool with that. <laughs> we can handle white supremacists. I've been dancing well, that, for years. That right there, that right there that's, just, that's just a small slice. Of what we go through every day, and I doubt very seriously that young man, sixty percent African and any bit of Mexican. Perhaps, but you know, I know just as many um, white supremacist uh, Mexicans as I do, quote unquote, white Americans. So that you know, right. him, that him sort of using that as a defense didn't didn't work with me at all. Uh, by the way, no. I have a question for you guys. Now, you say that Christianity is bringing white supremacy, but didn't Muhammad own a bunch of slaves? So, I mean, like, if you call out Christianity, you should call out Islam, too. We do. Oh, no, we do. I call out Islam all the time, and I usually say them in the same breath. I usually say them as, you know, two sides of the same coin. So you might be a new listener. But, yeah, I call out Islam all the time. Islam taught the world how to enslave. And, and then the, the mid-Atlantic passage just took enslavement to a whole nother level. So I agree with you in, in that. We don't support Islam. We don't support Christianity. We don't support Judaism. We don't support anything outside of ATR. And that's why the Queen and many others were offended, you know, by the guy being undressed and eating. Because this is really a spirituality and religion-based show. Okay, uh, the person's name is Sam Piper. He owns a racist Twitch stream. He has a stream on Twitch. He's a very racist streamer. He fought um, in order to, you know, start stuff with minority people. It's just to prepare his channel. I'll give you the link to his channel uh, if you want. His name is Sam Abbey is his Twitch name. Yeah, put that in the chat for me. Sure, sure. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, the video chat, the one that's the private. Yeah, he's been doing this. He's been doing this for the past few weeks, just finding everyone he can attack. Hassan Piker. Yeah, this is his Twitch. I, 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 he did it to my stream too. Um, yeah. What is his goal ultimately? Um, his goal is, you know, just to harass people. He wants to make, uh, you know, a majority white. He wants to. He knows that the minorities are going to soon become the majority in America, and he's very worried about that. And he's worried about, you know, he's worried about you guys uncovering white supremacy and stuff like that. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I appreciate your contribution. Um, I had no idea, of course. Um, I typically stay out of the fray of, of drama you know, online, even having had done this podcast some 12 years, um, what you're seeing today is just highly unusual. Uh, we we yeah, rarely have this kind of attention. Um, let, let me say this before, before we move on with everybody. Everybody of any culture is welcome to discuss the topic at hand, of course. But we have to be mindful that we want to be honorable and respectful and show good character and integrity as we go. And so, therefore, if by chance there is a continuation of anyone that comes on of any culture that speaks negatively, disrespectfully, and acts, interacts negatively and disrespectfully, then we're going to cut that particular person off right away without giving a lot of argument or a lot of thought, a lot of speech. So I hope everybody understands that. So I just want everybody to make sure that they maintain good character and good integrity when they speak, and then have the openness to speak whatever it is that you desire, no problem. But just with good character and integrity. Now, EBZ, did you have something to share other than your lollipop? <laughs> Damn, we hella popular today. I'm actually kind of uh, impressed with the numbers. <laughs> now, as long as y'all... Because I it, saw it coming when I, I was looking in the chat and I saw a barrage of ridiculousness. So I said, oh, it's going to be one of those days. So I, I knew it was coming when I when I looked in the chat, and it was just, I mean, a huge influx of just foolishness and all kind of foolishness. That's still going on in the chat right now. I knew it was one, one of those. And then when you in, invited that gentleman, and he was on camera, and all I saw was cow mouth, too, and I knew it was going to be one of those days. Man, mitts, and cow mouth. I, I knew it was going to be one of those days. But have you all been observing my demonstration, though? N- not just today, but even in previous shows, when people come and be disruptive, are y'all paying attention to how I act? Do I do I ever look moved to y'all at all? <laughs> and I usually give them space. Don't don't I, cousin? I usually give them space. I usually leave them on air. I usually give them an opportunity to say what you know they they want to say. But um, this is just like weird and intriguing all at the same time. It is very interesting, but everybody has space to speak. Everybody has space to share. And adverse perspectives are welcome as long as they're as long as they're given with respect. There's no problem with adverse perspectives. There's no there's no problem with thinking something differently. And even if you 
feel that in particular, you know, racism and stuff, uh, the way that maybe a particular race thinks or interacts is something against mm-hmm. what you believe. I would say that if you speak respectfully, you would be able to have an honest conversation with you. There's no, there's no problem. There's no problem with that. Go ahead, Malcolm. No, I just want to say I reported this on uh, um, uh, channel. Um, so yeah, so I hope he won't uh, he won't do any more of this. Okay. I appreciate. And let me say this: um, whoever that gentleman was that was all in the camera, and I want to call this out for um, so, so it's, it's spoken. I, I personally believe that right is right and wrong is wrong. I don't care if you black, white, red, orange, green, purple, teal, whatever. Right is right, wrong is wrong. That gentleman that also was doing that lollipop show, blowing smoke, that was disrespectful too. He was wrong and all out of order. So don't take it, those listening and those watching, don't take it as we're here, yes, we're pro-black. But that wouldn't be any different than Oriental being pro-Oriental or Jews being pro-Jews. It's no different. So nothing that you say or do will, will cut or slice my uh, loyalty to my people and my willingness to be forward with that and, and uplift that, period. Um, also, um, I have no problem with checking my own. There are issues within our community, as there are in every ethnic community, of crime within their own. Because if you check the numbers within every single community within their own, the numbers are always higher amongst each other. That's in all of them. That's in all of them. Well, I mean, so I just wanted to make clear that, yes, that, that gentleman's behavior was disgusting, and it was unnecessary as well. But here we're about truth, and right is right and wrong is wrong. It's not about take one taking precedence over the other. And for all the new viewers, hold on, hold on, hold on. For all the new listeners, because we have listeners on Blog Talk Radio and viewers of this stream, let's remember the original topic was about Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. federalizing Juneteenth. So we've now gone into racism and white supremacy and, and, and religious bias, but the original topic was Juneteenth and our personal feelings about why we're uncomfortable with federalizing Juneteenth as a holiday. Now, now you all are welcome to your opinions and your comments. Keep them on topic. <laughs> But remember, that's really what this conversation was about. Uh, go ahead, who, who uh, Malcolm, um, or whomever was trying to speak. Go ahead. Well, uh, what I was trying to say is you, uh, you have to admit, in the black community, crime rate is a lot higher in the white communities. There's a reason, like, I'm black. I know people, you know, just one of the problems I have. That's not people true. Don't... That's not true. That crime, oh, yeah. that crime is higher in the black community than in the white community. That is absolutely not true. Well, I, I used to live in the black. I, I am black, so I used to live in. Uh, you, you ever heard of East Cleveland? East Cleveland? Have you been there? Or? No. Yes. But I, I, I don't. My cousin it's, may, but I don't. It's in the urban areas. It's a very dangerous place, and you can't say the same thing as like the other neighborhoods in in uh, what's it called again in Ohio, and. It's not just there. It's many states that they have, like, high crime. So I don't think you, you know, I'm not trying to, like, you know, say anything, but, you know, it is, what I'm trying to say is it is a lot higher than it is in the white community. That's not true. That is not correct. 
That is not true. Well, what is your story? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, beloved, look at the population count. We are only 12% of the entire American population. So when you look at all these other neighborhoods that are not black, they have more crime than we do. It's just not reported the same. The same degree of bias in, in media reporting is not the same when it's in our community. And when you're talking about a small neighborhood, a small part of town, then, yeah, one or two robberies looks like a really big thing. When you think about five robberies, 20 car robberies in the suburban area, that's not reported on the news every day. But, but when you look at the numbers, it's absolutely reported in insurance claims and police reports. So, so your numbers, I'm, I'm not trying to be argumentative. Your numbers are not correct about there being more crime in the quote-unquote black neighborhood. Another point I want to add is when you look at the population of African Americans in the country and where they live, the majority of African Americans do not live in the inner city. The majority of African Americans do not live in the inner city. So you're talking about people with other issues, other complications, you know, but, but you, you are talking about all black people as a community. Your, your numbers are screwed. Well, I, I, brought, I blacked myself, but this is like, you know, this was the, I think, I blacked myself, and this was the problem I had when I lived in East Cleveland. You know, people would make fun of me, because even though I was black, I sounded white, and they disclaimed they act white, and they bullied me for that, and they bullied me because I was a, a homosexual, and stuff like that, and I, I believe Many people in the black community won't call that out in their neighborhoods, you know, you know, making fun of a person for his culture and stuff like that. And I really suffered from that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you suffered from that, sweetheart, to the point uh, where it, it's caused you great distress now in your, in your adult life because you have now taken to, um, in essence, uh, saying that uh, black people everywhere, that the crime is, is, is worse in black neighborhoods. Because it's black people, and that's just not true, sweetheart. And, and I apologize, and I am truly sorry for everything you have endured. Because colorism is a thing in all cultures, especially ours. And I'm not gonna take that away, but I will absolutely say that it is not true that there is more crime within the black community. Every ethnic group, and it has been proven with studies, can show that crime is higher within their own. It is not just the black community. That is the Asian community. That is the white community. That all communities. That has nothing to do with the black community being more violent. That is a very bad thing to press forward, honey. And I suggest, and may I suggest, that you do speak with someone that you trust, that you can get your feelings to, because there are things that need to be dealt with in love and understanding. And I want you to know I understand how you feel, and I hear what you're saying, and I hear your pain, and I want you to know it is all right, and there is healing possible, but you have to do it in a positive way and really look to see all sides. And that is not to negate your experiences or your feelings at all. So know that I say all of this with love and that I'm very concerned about everything that you have endured, but you have to keep an open mind and be open to that and not allow your emotions to sway or to promote things that are your feelings from your personal experiences because that is not fair to the rest of us. Okay? And I say that with love. Every bit of it. Thank you. I'll say this and then I, I'm going to keep my stuff short. Hold on, hold on. 
No, Cameroon. Hold on. I'm sorry, cousin. I'm grateful for you, Cameroon. I certainly am. And we really appreciate when any West Africans tune into the show. No, we're actually African-American, black American. And my cousins are officially Ifa initiated. And not just in a religion, but in the culture, in the tradition. So we take that as a great compliment that you thought we were Nigerian. We, we take that as a compliment. Go ahead, Oloye. No, I was just going to say, we have to look back at some of the, the, the laws that was, that was placed on the books that had direct results in the communities of color and how the community of colors were treated, how the communities of color were placed in certain situations where those of other cultures would not be held to the same standard when it came to laws being broken. We have to also look at some of the crime bills that were made. If we look at Biden, who's in office now, it was Biden who wrote the crime bill that Clinton, I believe, put into play for the um, for, for so many people of color going to jail. I can't remember what the crime bill was called. But we have to look at all of the other factors that go into play. Because from the standard that you're using, I can easily go back as a person who grew up in New York, I can easily go back to the East Coast and say that during the time that the, the, the mafia and all those other organizations were put into play, there were so many people that were getting killed every single day from white to white crime that, you know, it was, it was, Something that that was placed in in the in the uh, in the news and everything like that, and it ha- and, and and if you look at it, it also influenced Giuliani to go in and halfway shut down the um, shut down the mob. So then they had to change their method of operation. You just have to look at all of the various factors that went into how things are looked at and viewed and what is reported and what is, you know, what is seen. So that takes us back to Juneteenth because we have to move it back to where we started with. So moving it back to Juneteenth, when we look at the reasoning behind the ending of slavery, when slavery ended, how after that time the laws of the country were changed and put into place that maybe if you didn't have some a certain level of documentation, you were already jailed. If they felt or thought that you did something, you were already put back in jail. Take that up through to even through the, the hot summer, the red summer of 1918 and 1919, where then you had all of the of color that were halfway being burnt down and, mm-hmm. and destroyed because of false allegations, may I say, that are on the record from various people towards young African-Americans or African-American people. We are looking at how June 19th, how the ending of slavery, how all of these factors came into play this to take it back to the original topic 
and bring this thing back into divine order in alignment with that of the Creator and the ancestors. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with Gabby Manning's comment. Um, Juneteenth makes me realize that racism is a virus that must be healed inside and out, starting with self. And, and this little brief demonstration we had further elevates that, how easy it is to, to draw a crowd in on, on salacious racial content. Um, I have no idea how they do that and how they got, you know, all these different boxes to start, you know, but it was very entertaining. <laughs> For me, it was very entertaining. Now, I, they I, put I, some work in on that. That, yeah. that was time-consuming. Yeah, I feel uh, honored to be given um, such energy, you know, and our, and our ratings and our numbers jumped for a moment there, you know. So I just pray that whoever else got caught up in the matrix understands that this topic was about Juneteenth and the federalizing of Juneteenth. And I love how educated and articulate and thoughtful my cousins are, Oloye and Otan, and how they're able to just weave it right back on track, just just take it right back to <laughs> as if nothing even happened. I'm, I'm very impressed. And Otan, I'm very impressed. Yeah. Uh, I'm Armored by grace, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I, I think I saw your skills really come to the surface today. And, and I said, oh, okay, yeah, she's ready to go into battle. This sister, she, yeah, she's going to work out those shadow areas. She's going to box them out, you know. And so I appreciate y'all. I really do. That that was quite interesting. To say and I appreciate you, cousin. And, uh, I appreciate Neil Fibercore and everyone here. And I have no problem with having a difficult conversation. See, that's the thing. It's no more running away or backing out. Difficult conversations are necessary, but we have to understand that while we are working to listen, while we are working to allow people to have their time and we offer them the grace in that moment, we must also understand that we are to set clear boundaries and to draw lines in the sand where respect and protocol will always hold precedent. The whole time I have ever been here with you from the moment you allowed me space in your space, it has been nothing but respect, upliftment, we have had disagreements. There have people that called in and disagreed. But we do not disrespect each other. We are mindful. And what I saw today was what, as my grandmother would say, a hit dog will holler. Well, a bunch of dogs got hit, and they came over here hollering. And it was all right. They could come and holler and beat their chest and cry and make all kind of goofy comments in there because at the end of the day, we have to remember who we are and where we come from and the stock in which we were bred. We do not fight ignorance. But ignorance, who wins in that moment? A lot of the times the best way to fool a fool is to let this fool think that they fool in you. So let them come on in, show their face, and do their little bad, and we can dodge around it, get them gone, give them their five seconds, and keep it pushing because at the end of the day, our, the goal that you said is going to be accomplished, we're going to have our conversation, and all this is going to do is fuel the importance of why grace is important and why us building our own communities is necessary. Because if it isn't evident to you yet, take a look at the chat and what's been going on. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we, I, I'm grateful for my researchers. Women being went and pulled up the research. 
you know, and the numbers. And, and she's saying that white on white and black on black homicide rates are similar. <laughs> are similar in a country that is built on a cookie cutter pattern of white supremacy and, and, and racism. And so even if you want to look at black on black crime, you still can't have that conversation without talking about white supremacy and racism and a lack of opportunity, a lack of services, lack of mental health, lack of foundation. Yeah, it's all kind of reasons that people is hurting each other, you know, in many of these communities, not just the black community. Have you even been woke for the last five years of this opioid epidemic? Ain't no, ain't no crackheads, no black crackheads walking up and down my neighborhood. It's white opioid addicts and heroin addicts walking through my neighborhood in Treme. You rarely see a crackhead. Y'all lock them up. Y'all got, y'all got them out of the system, you know, as, as a part of the cleanup and the gentrification, you know, of the community. And then, and now that's all I see is opioids. I don't I don't see crackheads in my community. And often when there is a violent occurrence, it's either drug related, alcohol related, you know, or people who know each other to some degree. Just I I don't feel unsafe in Treme. I never have. I don't feel unsafe in New Orleans. I never have. And I have a unique experience of having left home at a very young age and having lived in almost every state in the continental U.S. And, yeah, there's crime everywhere. There's bad neighborhoods everywhere, black and white. But there, but there are far more non-blacks than there are blacks if we trust the statistics in terms of our population count in the country. So there's no way there's more black crime in the black community than there is in the white community. Do you watch 48 Hours? Do you watch um, what's the Life Channel? <laughs> you know, where, where Snap? Do you watch Snap? You know, there's far more going on in the in the quote unquote mainstream community than in the black community. And we're often quick to police ourselves, particularly in this neighborhood. We, we don't just let anything go down, not in this neighborhood. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, not in this neighborhood, not on this block. And so I'm sure we aren't the only block in America where, where people refuse to have foolishness go on, you know, in their, in their community. And this is a mixed community. This, this is not even a quote-unquote black community, you know, anymore. So, I'm, yeah, I was thoroughly entertained um, by all of that. Um, and I like to see numbers, so I'm going to go back later and kind of figure out how to use that to my benefit. Uh, Chef Bougie hung on with us through all of that. Arisha's with us in chat. She, she says, how about a simple reason people kill people who are in close proximity to each other, no matter what color they are? Absolutely. You, you go out into the rural area to where the mobile park is, you're going to find a, a larger percentage of crime as opposed to the rural area where your next neighbor is a half a mile down from your house. But even in those communities, they have drugs, they have crime. You know, when I was quite young, I hitchhiked through southern Illinois. Really, I started in D.C. I kind of walked 
until I got to the uh, to the uh, Breezewood. You truckers know where Breezewood, Ohio is. And then I got a ride, and then I got let out again, and I, I walked through Indiana. I walked through uh, Illinois. I went through southern Illinois, and it took me through very small country rural towns. And this was probably in the mid-'80s, in the mid-'80s. I was shocked. I was shocked at what I saw going on in the small town, just walking through. You know, I was shocked to find drugs to some degree. I was shocked to find, you know, urban-like, city-like crimes happening in these more isolated rural areas. But, but I've noticed the same thing internationally. There are certain regions of Africa it's very difficult to get any kind of news out of, any kind. You can go to All Africa, which is a major news outlet, and there are certain regions, certain countries that have no news. At all. Now we know that to either not be true, it's just not being relayed, or it is so isolated in the population there is it is so small, then whatever issues that they have are being contained or handled within their communities. So that whole idea of black on black crime, particularly when we're talking about ADO, descendants of of, of the Middle Passage and and, and Mid Atlantic slave trade. Mid-Atlantic slave trade, it's like Oton suggested, it's really just a distraction to the conversation of white supremacy, reparations, renewal, repair, you know, addressing the ideology that many of us have, black and white, about people of various colors. Some of you get real sensitive on the black-white thing, but you don't have any problem, you know, denigrating Asians or, or making, you know, really un, unhealthy comments about Hispanics, you know, or, or even unhealthy comments about people in other, other countries. So, you know, I, I think a few months back I said make sure that there is no white supremacy in you. I don't care what your color is. Get the white supremacy out of you first. Get the racism out of you first, you know, and, and, and then let's come to the table, you know, as people who are, healthy and, and working out our shadow work. Somebody in the chat uh, said, I think it was Dark Soul Jewel, that this is indeed shadow work. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Every emotional button that could be pushed is being pushed. And it's in those moments, at the crossroads of those moments, that you stand in your truth, who you really are, comes to the surface. I've never been a profanity user. I've never been a big cuss. I know how to do it. I got I got people in my, in my family who who do it well and, and yeah just like you know learning how to mimic another language yeah I can mimic that language but that's not who I am at the core and, and when I'm under attack I go to a very specific place in, in my core and, and you all have had an opportunity to see that and to share that moment with me uh, but I agree with my cousin Oloye about Oturn. um yeah. I wouldn't turn my back on a ton in dark alley, y'all, because she might hurt you. She might hurt you. <laughs> she might hurt you. Now, she, just, she got that real warrior energy coming through. That, I'm glad she's on our side. Yeah, I'm glad she's on our side. <laughs> and I, I, am, I will say that I just 
thanks, Ephastone. I have come a long way, but we all grow in different ways. I just, I believe in truth, and I also believe in, in tough love because we have to be willing not just to nurture and to uplift, but to correct. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of the times with our people these days, we got a problem with people telling us stuff. But the school is going to help us get right on up out of that because you're going to have to be able to take correction to be able to adjust. You can't just be willing to just always listen to good. We have to be able to hear the uncomfortable about ourselves. We have to be willing to address and acknowledge the uncomfortable, the unsavory, because that is just being fake. That's not true shadow work. That's cherry picking. And you can't cherry pick spirit. You're going to get it all the way together or not at all. Because I love each and every one of us. I don't care if you black, white, green, yellow, or purple. And I will fix your black crown. But I will also knock that sucker across the room. So we got to understand when to allow not just ourselves but others the grace to be who they are, but then to draw that line. And we also have to be willing to accept the correction, be willing to accept the criticism and understand that nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect. Everybody comes with their nuances, with the things that they need to work on. But I'm not going to just sweeten it all the time because it needs to be that tough work when you want to get into it. It's going to be tough. And sometimes that's not going to make you smile. Sometimes that's not going to make you feel good. But that's part of digging deep. It may not always feel the best, but I promise you, it's always worth it. Always. Okay, after book four. After book four goes, can we put back on that gentleman's uh, uh, yeah, and and we can address that because I believe it comes from a respected place, so we can definitely address him. And Go I ahead, book four. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you again. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, John, for putting me in my place. Okay. I, was ready, I mean, I was getting ready to to his level, um, and that's out of pocket, but it did trigger me. Those were some of my, my, I'm going to be upfront and honest, those were some of my triggers. You come amongst elders, the first thing you want to do is be disrespectful. Not while I'm here. But she was absolutely right. I'm in place for everything, and I was out of line. So I wanted to apologize to everybody on the panel for getting ready to be low, because I was getting ready to be petty. Like, extremely petty. But it, it, it was one of those things that definitely needed to be addressed. I think... She did it better than I was going to. Definitely. And definitely. Definitely. I want to acknowledge you, Neil, right in. Just step in for a moment, if I may, and I'm going to let you continue. And I want to acknowledge you for going into protection mode. And a lot of the times, we don't acknowledge our men when they go into protection mode. So I want to salute you, King, and thank you for feeling the need to step forward because we need a lot more of that. And I appreciate that in you. Please continue. Ashe. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Uh, that's something for me. That's going to make my day for the rest of the day. I'm going to hold on to that. Um, but, yeah, it's just, just one of those things. That's it. I, I didn't want to interrupt too much, but I definitely had to make sure that uh, I give acknowledgement where acknowledgement was due and, and give flowers where they needed to be. Uh, because that right there, that's the seed that I want to make sure that I plant in this generation that's coming up. Yes, we're angry black men, but there's a place for it, and that place is in protection mode. It has to be a natural kind of thing. It, if it makes you uncomfortable, if you see the disrespect, 
say something, don't let it just slide past. It's disrespectful. Be respectful if you have, if you if you can, if you must. But we have every right to be in our feelings when it comes to that. We just have to know where it needs to be, where it has to be placed, um, so that we don't look like you know any of those stereotypes that they want to paintbrush us with. We have every right to actually be in those uh, those elements, right? Those are tools, though. Those are tools. Use them to your best, to the best of your ability. We appreciate you, Frank. You know what I mean? We grateful for you, and we appreciate you in what you did and what you were about to say. And all of you involved. And hopefully, it was a lesson for each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form. It's a lesson when we come to adverse perspective. It's a lesson when we come to adverse attitude. It's a lesson when we come to adverse mindset. And how then we go about it then allows us to grow into our eldership. Some of us warrior attitude, our warrior spirit will come out. Some of it we have to learn to put into a into a, a place where it will come out, but it will come out in a way where it's teaching to all. So we all are learning, and we're all growing, and we're all a building. And we appreciate you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, I digress because I want to uh, finish getting these, these lessons here. All right. Um, so I'm reading this uh, from, from the gentleman, uh, Terry Davis. And I find them to be very uh, respectful uh, comments. Multiple gods fight amongst themselves and by design, factionalize mankind into different religions to step back and let us fight each other because it has other things it wants to accomplish. And, and, and in regard to that, I do believe with much of that. And as, as we see the, the relationships between different people of different spiritual traditions and beliefs. Because sometimes it goes outside of the realm of what we personally believe and not see God as God, as the one God, because it's viewed or it's honored in a different way than what is, is, is known in that particular tradition. I do find that what you said is, 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 is very true with that. I think that part of it, even coming out of Juneteenth, coming out of slavery, all of that, if we can look at God being God, the one God among, above all, then we even look at Orisha differently because we look at Orisha as a manifestation of the God within us with all of those various factors, but all of that which the the the, uh, the the Orisha manifested in this life, all of their accomplishments, living this life in human form and then being honored and lifted into Orishaship or what some would call sainthood in other traditions. So when we look at it from a principalistic standpoint, we can see that there are similarities, yet of course differences. If we look at even Christianity, and I also look at Islam 
as a as a ancestral tradition. And why do you do that? Because none of those people are alive, and we're still calling their names, and we're still recognizing what their accomplishments and speech were. So therefore, when we call their names, I paraphrase this African proverb that there is none that are dead if we continue to call their name. That is paraphrasing it. That is not the actual proverb. But if we allow and we continue to call the name of Christ or these apostles or the prophets, we keep their synergy alive and their contributions. Well, in our research practice, we are focused on what is it that these Orisha manifest within us? What are their contributions, their stories? And what do we grow and learn from that which they did here on earth that allow us to grow into who they are? Our divine wisdom or divine self wants to grow into a divine inner consciousness that takes us up to higher levels of ourselves and be in alignment with God in alignment with Oudamari. So allowing others to come in to that divine wisdom in ourselves then does make us look at these other traditions in such a way that it's nothing but negativity because somebody is seeing something differently than the way that we see it. So I believe that what you said is true. And even in government, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God. So therefore, when we look at that, there is that defining factor of difference between sometimes how those in spiritual tradition view things in comparison to how those in government view things. And I've seen presidents get ripped apart because maybe the those that follow that the uh, the, the uh, uh, alternative. Um, uh, cousin, help me out with this. Uh, for the, the those of homosexuality, the, the LGBT. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, okay. yeah. So I've seen presidents that have said this. They are human. They are they are, are, are American citizens with the deservance of the rights that are found here in America. And even if you disagree with their lifestyle. They are still citizens of the United States that are deserving of all that that the the residents of the United States deserve. And presidents getting ripped apart by spiritual leaders because they have a, they've said and they've drawn that line that I have to make sure that even if I don't personally follow their lifestyle, they are still deserving as U.S. citizens for all that U.S. Uh, citizens receive. So therefore, there is that sometimes that factor that comes in the difference between government and the spiritual side that there has to be that happy medium sometimes. We have to now follow the laws of the land. In every tradition that I know, it talks about following the laws of the land. And some will say, it's that unless it goes deeply against the laws of God. Well, we still have to then find our, our happy medium in that. So 
I hope that 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 speaks a little bit to what the gentleman was um, was, was saying. Thank you for being honorable and respectful in your comments. And as I said, everybody is welcome to their comment, whether it's adverse to or whether it's the same. Ashe. And I agree with Terry David's comment, too, but uh, y'all know me. My mind went in a completely different direction. Um, extraterrestrial, some higher life form, something that we still yet don't understand in its fullness that could be manipulating humanity to move in one direction or the other, to, to interfere, you know, in, in our progress uh, to some degree. So when I read the question, I started thinking about extraterrestrials and aliens and Anunnaki and, and other higher evolved uh, citizenry from other places in our universe getting involved in our animal nature versus our higher or spiritual uh, capabilities, you know, we are God in flesh, you know, so I, I agree too, just maybe for, for a very different reason. But listen, I, I'm grateful for everyone being here. This is indeed a great show, um, one for the books. <laughs> okay. I must figure out how all of that even was, was done and accomplished. I'm very intrigued by that, that whole process. Um, and so um, I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your love, your strength, your wisdom, your magic, your support with us in this shared sacred space at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time here on Blog Talk Radio, StreamYard, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, uh, all the avenues in which we can be accessed. I should have very interesting news come Wednesday. So check back with me Wednesday. Uh, there will be a bit of a meeting, and I can't say with who or about what. Some of you might be able to pull some pieces together. Uh, but I should have some news come Wednesday. Um, and so respect the ancestors, respect the ancestors, respect the ancestors, respect the elders. Mm-hmm. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. Respect the history, the legacy, the tradition, the people that is historic for me. Respect Congo Square. Until next time, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing. Ashe. Was that cryptic enough, old time? <laughs> Man. I had to say something. <laughs> yeah. So I should have some news come Wednesday. There should be a little meeting, and we should have some news come Wednesday about what is and what is not going to happen yeah. in our community and how it's really going to go down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting in front of her and looking her in her eyes and really getting an understanding of what she's thinking. Yeah, this ain't confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll see y'all Wednesday. All right. All right. All is a blessing. Peace. Peace. That was a great broadcast, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Chef Fuji, man, I'm grateful you sat through all of that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was good. 
Yeah, that was really something. And and I'm really intrigued by the whole technology behind that. I mean, was it really one person who had multiple accounts? Well, was it a bot? I, I'm so confused. I think they got they got sent to you. I think I think keywords were spoken and they got sent to you. But but for the most part, we have to understand that there's a true hatred that exists. And whenever we speak truth to it, we're going to come out of the woodwork. And that's and, unfortunate, and but the, that's just the way it is. And the black guy with the lollipop, somebody came back and said he was some kind of rap artist or something. I'm really curious about who <laughs> he was. You know, who he was. You know, I, I supposedly, if I believe what the gentleman in the chat said, I mean, we got hacked by a very well-known popular hacker. And right. so some of the people who responded to whatever he put out, tweet or whatever he put out, uh, some of those people were high-profile social media accounts. So just from the technical right. aspect of it, I'm curious as to how they did that, how that really happened. I would love to see yeah. that work to my benefit. Uh, it definitely brought up my yeah. rating. <laughs> my ratings yeah. went up in, in the moment. I could see yeah. how many people signing in, who were tuning into the show, and from where. So it actually helped my numbers. So um, I hope they come back. Yeah. But you know know what the amazing part is, and it usually happens a lot of times, is that people just don't understand that it's amazing when somebody who is the author of racism is now accusing you of being racist. Yeah. And those that are accusing you of being killers have killed more people on the face of this earth than anybody. And still are. That's the funny yeah. part. And still yeah. are. Yeah. That's right. That's um, right, Chuck. It comes with the territory. But when you're speaking when you're speaking truth and you're ruffling a little feathers, they're coming. And oh, all yeah. sister O'Tune did all sister O'Tune did was she just showed the black God in her, that's all. She, she was really just being God. That's it. I was watching her whole that's body. That's why I sat like, back. Yeah, it was like yeah, she that's was why I sat back. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was channeling for sure. Mm-hmm. She really was. I'm grateful for her and that energy. Uh, I feel the same way about Arisha. I just wish, you know, I know she had, she's usually working at the time that we on air, but yeah. I would love we yeah. should bring her energy to the show a little bit more. Too. Oh, I, I, I know she was itching to probably participate even more than where she. I know she was, but she wasn't in a position where she could. I know, especially today. <laughs> especially today. Especially today, yeah. That was like a family fight. That, you know, you in the street and somebody comes for you, and then all of a sudden your family come out of the woodwork. That's what that was. There you go. Cousins, uncles. Everybody pulls up. Like, <laughs> yes, indeed. But I'm gonna have to go, beloved. I appreciate you. Thank you so right. much for being here with me. I appreciate my blog talk no radio audience, and I look forward to uh, being with you again next time. Okay, I say, I say, oh, I'm gonna close with Congo Square. Congo Square. The almost Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. 
a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang. We beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat, heart be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk, 
first thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out Hello. of us. Whoa. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various various shades eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now and still this sacred ground calls us to remember to beat to be beat Congo Square be Congo Square
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.